Hello and welcome to the TA Fit My Motivation Podcast, episode 4. In today's episode, I have Andrew Dixon, an old friend of mine and ex-teammate. Andrew's a professional rugby league player by trade for over 12 years now, currently playing for Toulouse Olympique. His previous club was Toronto, which we spoke in depth about, and about his views on the whole situation, what happened. And um, he also is a qualified SNC coach. The reason I want Andrew on the podcast was uh, twofold, really. First of all, he's a professional athlete for over 12 years. Also, to talk about his educational experience, like me, Andrew went to university and managed to get a master's degree in strength and conditioning coaching. So I want to get him on the podcast to talk about a little bit more depth about how he acquired that and his thoughts on strength and conditioning and training in general, but also how he balances life itself, not only to, to be able to compete at the highest level for 12 years, and play in some of the best teams and some of the highest some on some of the biggest stages but also to be able to balance that with his academia um, it's just interesting to me to find the root cause of why he wants to do this why he's, he's motivated to do this and just to delve deeper into to understand the man um, a little bit more himself and to share that with you so without any further ado here's me talking to andrew dixon I just want to run over your kind of career just briefly, just so people know who you are. So it's not like just talking to some random guy with a ponytail. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, mate, it takes some effort, by the way, just going aside to grow a longer. I've been doing it now for a while and I can get it in the top. (laughs) Honestly, when you remember that time when someone was trying to cut your off and you were going sick, I understand why yeah <laughs> it's a lot of pain and a lot of uh, <laughs> no, it's so hard anyway go aside right so obviously ex-professional for saints four years for saints uh, and then you obviously highlights were kind of great grand final 2010 you scored a try in 2010 while i watched on the sideline which was <laughs> 2011 you were also in the grand final weren't you so 2011 then yeah. two years for salford where you ended up being a captain for salford which was yeah good accolade to be to have and then you go to Lee, where I caught back up here at Lee for two seasons, yeah. was it? You there two seasons? Yeah, yeah, two seasons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to Toronto for the last four years of your career so far, which has been up to twelve years. And then, obviously, you kind of education alongside of that. You've you've managed to get yourself a master's in S and C, which is a point that uh, we're going to we're going to cover. And um, you've obviously obviously always kept yourself in good shape, and you've always been one of those guys who've always got to bed early, always always looked after your body and and it's obviously paid well for you like like myself (laughs) so um yeah that's just that first thing i want to really talk about is obviously what's kind of happened with toronto the i know you've probably been asked a thousand times but from player to player kind of what 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 kind of went down what was kind of the run-up from the six months of uh obviously the road roni rona experience the whole thing going on what kind of like that's that that when you kind of got dropped as as the t- from was it were you dropped from team? Well, tell me, I'm just I'm just guessing. So what what kind of happened? Talk me through it. Yeah, yeah. So um, we um, the the owner decided against going back into to Super League, and he decided against that because he for various reasons. Um, one of them being that he was financially struggling, so he, he decided against that. And then once once he did that, then uh, we got we got kicked out of the league I think that's what that's what happened and then um, yeah so from our perspective we were waiting to try and get back in the league with, with a new owner um, who recently made an application that got rejected as well so we were waiting for like six months 
um, at the time and it was kind of it was just dragging along all like seven to ten days we'd, we'd have a meeting and they just tell us like oh it's going to be another week or another couple of weeks and and it culminated in the in the meet the final meeting with the RFL and Super League um, when they had a vote and it got put to a vote and unfortunately we you know we it went against us and you know you know it's yeah. some something that it took a long time to get through and then obviously to get there and to get the no after thinking it was going to be pretty hopeful and pretty good was was but let's revert back. Let's go back to like kind of. I signed for Toronto, but never obviously got to yeah. play because of my, my my leg and whatever. But being one of the first like pioneers to go and play for a club that was across across the uh, across the Atlantic and doing something different. Like, what was kind of your thought process to that, and what was that experience like? Kind of being a bit of a pioneer, I suppose, for the sport. Like, what was that? What was that? What was that like? And obviously playing with players like Sonny Bill Williams and obviously playing back with like players like Ashton Sims and, and those kind of players. Like what was the kind of, instead of going negative, let's start with like the positives of what was it like being at Toronto? Yeah, it's unreal, honestly. Like I don't, I don't, have you ever got managed to get out to Toronto? No, no, mate, I was going like, cause I, I was just, yeah. I, look, luckily I got injured at that time and then got yeah. never out, never moved No, it, a lot of people haven't gone to Canada and it's not on a lot of people's, um, you know, radar Canada, to be honest, it wasn't on my radar. Like I always thought of America, I thought of New York, I thought of California and all those things. And Toronto was uh, never on my radar and neither was Canada. And, uh, before I signed for Toronto, I actually went on, on a bit of a holiday around there and uh, I saw some unbelievable sights in, in Canada. And then that that just completely sold me to go uh, because it, Canada is an unreal country. Like if anybody ever gets a chance, go to Banff, go to Calgary, go to Toronto, go to Ottawa. It's just an unreal place. Like there's so many sights to see and so so, so many breathtaking places. Yeah, um, yeah. Like it's literally, it's probably the last frontier. Like the, yeah. the, the you know, everything there. Um, so that really inspired me to go set rugby up there where it's never been done before. And that, yeah. that's, that's what I wanted to do. And I know that you had Liam on recently and mm. I, I guess he was the same. It was kind of like, at the beginning, there was like probably eight or nine of us or maybe 10 um, who had who had come from Lee at the time, and you know we were all just kind of like new, doing it as like our, yeah. our mates and stuff like that, and we were kind of like building something. And you know, for me, it, I've always played at traditional clubs like Saints and Salford and Lee, like you mentioned. And mm-hmm. You're kind of standing on the shoulders of giants because the people yeah, have yeah. come before you and won things and, and things like that. Uh, and I wanted to be the first, the first group of people that people are standing on the shoulders of. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that yeah, makes definitely. sense and set, yeah, yeah. set the culture and set set a way a way of playing the game and. That was something that I was definitely interested in. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's an unbelievable city. There's definitely a thirst and a passion for rugby league there. And, you know, it, it's a, such a shame that it's gone the way it's gone because there's so many fans out there that legitimately 10,000 fans, like people think yeah. they're cardboard cut out. They're not. There's legitimately... <laughs> I, saw, I, saw you, I saw your Instagram post just cutting, cutting you up, the, the, yeah. the little bit that you did and then like the showing the first year and then to the last yeah. year, the, the, the crowd's just absolutely packed. And you don't get that... You go to look at Wakey, you look at like some of the traditional clubs, you, you don't get that anywhere, you know what I mean? So, and, yeah, and also that like the expansion towards this New York side, and there's like things that are actually bubbling under the surface that it could be potentially a massive, massive thing for, for, the, for, the, for the sport. But like, so what, 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 why, I don't know why Super League would do it. I, I know probably controversial, or whatever, but it just, it sounds, it seems daft. I know there's a lot of things, there's a lot of elements that we don't know about or I don't know about that goes into it, like the traveling all these things that obviously 
I don't know, welfare players. But I don't know. There's got to be hundreds of things that the reasons why not. But then the positives must outweigh those benefits for the for the for the sport that that for the sport to carry on because it's like with with all. Well, you just I just saw another thing with like Greg McNally the other day, like posting like, "Oh, please share my my video of my highlights from 2021, 2020 to 2019 to 2020." It's like it's heartbreaking, really. A class player like Greg, and he's having to share something on social media to try and get his reps because that's how the way that rugby league is. It's like if once you drop, you drop, and there's no, no one's no support anywhere. So it's just it's mental. It's actually it's actually mental. But like I was saying, I think carry on what you were saying. I mean, like the the development of of the sport over there. Like, what was it like to be in the in in the Toronto? We were around those fans and the, them developing and growing over the over the years. Yeah, it's amazing because their their experience of sport is they go to a Blue Jays game, a Raptors game, a, you know a. Um, a Maple Leafs game and they, they go to those games and they, the guys playing the sport there's the, the people playing those sports the, 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 there's individual athletes on like 20 million uh, yeah. dollar, Canadian dollars a year so they'll never ever ever get to you know get in contact with that guy speak to him and things like that so they don't get that experience and that's where rugby's completely different because you know once we finish a game we are the we are the average Joe guy. Like we yeah. we would get on a city bike, like which is literally the electric bike you can pull out of like a, yeah. a stop. We'd get that. We'd ride down King Street on our bikes, and people would be like like shouting at us, waving <laughs> and stuff like. That. You're riding down the middle of King Street, and but you wouldn't see someone from the Raptors or the Blue Jays. Yeah, do yeah, that, yeah. You know I mean, you, it just it just wouldn't happen. And I think that's what they loved about it. Yeah, the fact that you know they had that contact with us, they could go oh, why did you do that today in the game? Or what was you thinking there? Do you know what I mean? And they, they can literally get there one, one-to-one time with us yeah. like straight after a game. And that's what I think they loved about it. And like, it was good for us because, you know, you know it's, it's rugby, isn't it? It's not, yeah. it's not like any other sport. You're just, yeah. you're just, you're just a lad, aren't you, from, from yeah, Warrington yeah, exactly. or Islands or wherever. You're just, you're just a lad. And it's not like, you know, you don't, you don't get paid millions. And, you know, every, you've got to be humble to play rugby because that's yeah. the sport, isn't it? If you, if you don't, you will get humbled by somebody running yeah. over you or something like that. Something, something <laughs> that's going to but that's what, that's what they loved. And, you know, there's definitely a real passion for it out there. And it was great to see kids coming in towards the end. And, you know, with the Raptors and, and the Blue Jays and stuff like that, they only come in halfway through the game because yeah. the games are so long, they only come in. So at the right. beginning with us, they started coming in halfway through the game. <laughs> in League One, the game would be over because we yeah, yeah. <laughs> winning by like 30 points. And they'd be like, oh. Like, so then that's when they started up, turning yeah. up for the National Anthem. And stuff like that. And that's when oh, man. It, it really started taking off. But honestly, mate, it's, a, it's an unreal place. And... It's such a shame, but you know, I'm hoping that they set up some kind of North American league because yeah. I really do think that there is a passion there for it. And you know, if if it's not right for Super League right now, then then that's fair enough, and that's Super League's decision. And I do think yeah. that you know, hopefully, that North America make their own league and they go right. Okay, we're not going to let this stop us. We're gonna we're gonna make our own league because the, the people want to watch it out there. Yeah. Definitely, and just think of the amount of players that they'd attract. Even if they're just like people who are in the, the bit of the, the twilight years, they'll attract like a low, so many players. If they even they set up like four or five team leagues, but then they, didn't they, they say there's a statistic I was reading the other day that's saying it's the the fastest growing sport in America. And at the minute, oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, I know I that read rugby something. Rugby yeah. does really well. Yeah. Okay. Rugby maybe might have read. It's yeah, yeah. The fastest yeah, growing maybe. sport in America. So like, if there's that kind of traction for it now, there's gonna be like. It's tough to let it just fizzle out like that. Well, so, what do you think? What do you think? Like, is 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 the future for the club? Or is it, is it gone? Is it completely gone now? I don't I don't know myself. Is it completely gone? 
I think I think so. From from what I'm concerned, is it's that's it, it's done. But I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Um, I'd love to see Toronto there. Like obviously, I like you know, I, I was one of the ones that helped build it, and yeah. I'm really passionate about it being there. But you know, I I, I honestly don't know. Um, yeah. But yeah, like like you say, if you've ever watched Hard Knocks or anything like that, any of the NFL programs, literally in the NFL teams, they get 70 players, 70 players of that, and they get a practice squad of a few players underneath, and then yeah. that is it. Once you once you're done from that, you cut. There's yeah. so many athletes out there who don't make it to that yeah. stage. There's, there's such a pool of talent that rugby can definitely pull from, and they're, they're definitely enthusiastic for it. Yeah, and like the, the the kind of the difference between the skill level that you kind of develop as a, as a rugby league player opposed to um, an NFL player uh, is, is obviously well that could be taught. That could be you, yeah. if you're a general Pretty athlete good. anyway, you're gonna be able to pick up some absolute class players when you're in that in those kind of circles especially like you said they're all they're all trained to a certain level and they're just completely dropped so like there's it's a perfect sport to people to lead into like you know um so i just want to go back on like kind of your kind of highlights of what you what you did in your career so far and um, then going from where what's next for you in terms of rugby your goals like what are you going to go what do you want to pursue now? Obviously, having having this like terrible year and what what's happened with you and obviously the sport. Because obviously, playing with you, you're like one of the most consistent players I've ever played with. You just like yeah. always there, always fresh, always ready. Just <laughs> just eighty minute man kind of guy. So obviously, there's got to be something next for you, kind of thing. Obviously, you were an SNC assistant at the time as well. So obviously, kind of what's kind of next? Go yeah, back. definitely. Yeah, the, the, the highlights. Um, yeah, the, the highlights of my career. Obviously, the two grand finals and score, scoring that one. Like, I'll never, I'll never forget those. But as I've got older, I've, I've really enjoyed getting promoted with teams. Like, I really enjoyed that because, mm. you know, it, it's, it's like you're almost like building something with the team and getting promoted, and that's definitely something that I saw with Toronto and obviously in 2016 with Lee as well. Um, but. And, you know, I wanted I wanted Lee to stay in Super League because I'd help I'd help them get there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like getting getting teams promoted is, is definitely like something that are highlights of my career and obviously building Toronto. So they're they're, they're my highlights. And you know, I think a lot of ex uh, players will definitely say the same when they say like you know it's the, the game the games are amazing. It's unbelievable playing the games, but it's the camaraderie amongst the boys and that that's the things yeah. like especially like being out of the game now for. You know, six months. I still have, still have the WhatsApp there. Still have, still have messages with the boys and stuff like that. But you miss that day-to-day interaction where you know you, you're taking the mic. Like you remember when we were kids and stuff like yeah. that. And like the, the pranks that you're playing each other and stuff like that. And like all, all mm. the stuff you do. That that's what you miss. Like yeah. that's why ultimately, like I feel like SNC would be a good like role for me because it kind of get like I can give back to my experiences of what where I failed and where where I succeeded to people. Um, and also, like, I enjoy helping people. I enjoy helping people get better. So they're them are two like you know the the my, my wise of like S and C. But also mm-hmm. like it gives me, I can say in that camaraderie with with yeah. you know the boys and stuff like that, and have a have a laugh and stuff like that, which is I, I find is important. I know that you probably feel yeah, the same. Definitely, because like I think the biggest thing for me was the kind of the the shock of like obviously kind of going from being oh yeah you've got you've got two years on your contract to, oh no, you've not got, a, that's it, you're done because you can't, you can't, you know, you're not fit to play. And then it was just like, right, what do I do with myself from now? I've got, and even though, even though I had a degree, even though I backed myself up and they gone like, yeah, you know, I've, I've gone off and done a degree, still didn't make up for the fact that I wasn't integrating with a, a group of like-minded people or a group of people. I was kind of just, right, you chucked into the deep end. You go, right, this is life, carry on, go on, like continue as you were and then, you know, make a life for yourself. So it's like kind of, 
I stumbled around with like making the gym and all that kind of things and things just like didn't pan out the way I wanted it to. But you kind of have to just get back into it. I think the main thing is like doing what I'm doing here, like I'm doing what you're doing, keeping in touch with people. And even if it's just because doing this, what I've been doing at the minute is kind of class because you get to actually speak to people. I've, I've played with you for five, six years on and off. And I know you never really have the same deep conversations. You never get into things as deep. Whereas like, it's all kind of subsurface. You have a laugh and a joke and stuff like that. And I've had a couple of people on as well, a similar kind of situations. I've never really asked questions, but I've really wanted to ask, but you just feel a bit <laughs> embarrassed at the time because you know, you, are. you wouldn't want to talk about that kind of stuff anyway. So it's kind of these kind of things have kind of helped me anyway, kind of developing that kind of respect. But yeah, like you were saying, it's got to be, I, I, so we went from, Oh yeah. What, what's next for you though? What is actually next for you? Is it just going to be an SSC role or cause you're obviously 30 years old now, 30, you're 30 now. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You're not yeah. 31 like me or old. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, <laughs> so what, what's, what's next for you in terms of rugby? Because you've got players like, you know, John Wilkin went on, he's, he's, he's like, you know, knocking on 39 now. So will <laughs> 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 probably hate me for that. Yeah. <laughs> Go on. No, yeah, I want, I'm still, I'm still going. Um, you know, I'm just trying to figure out my next move, and it's got to be right for me. And I think that you know what, what's always important with when you're trying to figure out what, like when you change, because you know I've been at Toronto now four years, and I've loved every minute of it. And mm. I think that that's really important <laughs> when when you make a decision like that to move on to somewhere else. It's got to be for you know you, you have got to put food on the table and stuff like that, but it's got to be for the people that you're with as well. That 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 makes it what it is. And you know, if you're moving somewhere for all, all you know alternative reasons, I don't think it usually works out. Like I've moved on for alternative reasons and it's not usually worked out. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's about being with the people that you're going with. And it's really important that, you know, I'm with like-minded people to me and, and that's what's worked for me in the past. So I'm definitely looking to, to carry on playing. Um, I feel I feel like I've had pretty much a year out, so I feel yeah. pretty fresh. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you will. And, like, and, I've, and I've been doing all my own S and C, but yeah. I, it, it's amazing being able to like put your arms above your head and things like that. You know, when, you're, <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you're not tackling and you're not literally feel like you've been hit by a bus, it's, yeah. it's, it's it's really good just to feel just to feel really fresh and like you know that's where I've been focusing on some S and C targets and trying to hit some certain goals with with weights and fitness and things like that. So you know, that that that's been keeping me ticking over. Well, well, talk me, while we're on SSC, talk me through kind of what is your kind of because everyone has like so like everyone has like a main reason of what they're doing and like a bit of a structure to what they're doing. So like kind of your points of research at the minute. What's your kind of because there's so many there's so many things that it's just imp impossible to digest all the sources of like resources that are out there yeah. in terms of like different diets, different styles, different techniques. So what's your kind of take on the current like with with the current research that there is and the methods that you use what's your kind of take on snc what on how you develop people yeah so i think like with regards to snc because i've been I've, while i've been off i've been doing a lot of online pt but um with regards to snc i think you've got to you've got to take the final version of what you want it to look like whatever whatever it is whatever you're doing it doesn't matter you could be doing beanbag throwing yeah. whatever it is whatever <laughs> you are doing get the final version, get the intensity of how intense it's going to be. What's the worst case scenario that you've got? How, yeah. how bad is that going to be? And then work backwards, break it down so that you can gradually build that up without getting injured. 
Yeah. That's the main thing because a lot of people go from, well, you'll see, you'll see recently that people will have been uh, going running now because they're in lockdown. Yeah. So people have gone doing from nothing to like running like 10K, 15K yeah. a week. And you'll see with loads of people getting injured and like loads of people doing yeah. like getting loads of injuries. <laughs> but if, they, if they'd have gone, right, you know what, we're in lockdown, I'm going to do like a 2K run and then I'm going to do, you know, next week I'll do a 3K and build it all. Yeah. And you see people getting less injured. So, you know, that, that's my, my philosophy is always technique overload. First thing, do no harm. That's, yeah. that's the number one rule. Like, if, if you're injured, you're no use to anybody. Like, yeah. an injury, so you know, there's no point in pushing people to the absolute limits and then injuring yeah. them. Um, but yeah, just take, just take, when, when, when myself and Bob Bezzett were doing the SNC in Toronto, he was head and I was at system. Um, we just looked at what the worst case scenario for players were going to be. What's the longest ball time in play? situation whether yeah. that's six seven eight minutes and actually that's doubled now with the the change of the rules yeah. i think it's 14 minutes now so you've got to take the worst case scenario i know it looks like a grand final every week every every league match in super league it looks like a grand final but Metal. yeah you've got to take the worst case scenario and then you've got to prepare people for that and gradually build the capacity to deal with that load and then make it show make it in a way so they don't get injured when you build into that. Okay, let me just ask you this then. So, if that was if that's the case, which uh, I've I have PT and I'm doing my SNC myself. So, if that's the case, what would your standpoint be on a preseason for a rugby league player? Because I'm sure that we what we did was absolutely daft. Like it's, it's mental because from what I've been reading, like the whole thing about rest and like relaxation and actually time off movement. Like that should be incorporated. I know we had prehab for 15 minutes before training and whatnot, but it wasn't exactly structured into a day. Like it should be two days of your week should be structured into it completely. Just movement and relaxation pretty much instead of it being, oh, just do 15 minutes before and then just run into each other for two hours. Then, you know, push, move some heavy weights, uh, like in, in, in even do a chuck in a power session after like a two hour field session. It's daft, like, cause you're doing loads of speed already. So like kind of, what would what what's your kind of view on a preseason? Because for a rugby player, but for anyone who's obviously training full season, yeah. Well, I think with a preseason, you know, you've got to, you've got to understand your group first. So when the group comes back from off season, you've got to understand your athletes and what they've been doing. Now, if you've got guys that typically will sit, maybe a bit more used to a part time environment, and you know, have sat on the couch for six weeks and haven't really done much. Then if you then chuck them into, into you know some some long distance running or, or anything in the beginning, then they're gonna they're gonna get hurt and that that's that's ultimately what's gonna happen. So you've got to understand your group first, and then secondly, like it's a, it's a weird dynamic with the coach because ultimately you've got what you want to do, and yeah. then the coach has got what he wants to do, yeah. and somewhere in that you've got to meet now. On what what scale you meet him depends on how hard that session is going to yeah. be. You know, typically on the coach because some some of the coaches are like that, some aren't. Um, and then when you're talking about the pre-ab, that's about you blend with the medical side. So yeah. this is where the best environments and the best SNCs will be really on top of everything because usually you might have a head of performance at the top controlling everything yeah. and that's where like you know they'll have a strong blend with the medical staff who will have a strong blend with the, the coaching staff and they'll all be sitting down and they're all aligned to the one target yeah. now when you get some of them butting heads that's when you get issues and you might get a two-hour session in there and yeah. then the SNC is like pulling his hair out going like listen mate this ponytail isn't going to last any longer if you keep chucking two-hour <laughs> sessions in there do you know what I mean like yeah. that so it, it for me, 
you've got to you've got to look at what's the worst case scenario. How do you build to that? Yeah, you've got to look at what are the most common injured sites in that sport. How can you try and prevent that? And then that athlete, his individual, like what is his like you know problem areas? So yeah. say it's your you know your your knee or your ankle. Typically, rugby, it's shoulder, knee, ankle, yeah. head. Um, you know, well, it is concussion. Yeah, yeah. Concussion's yeah, yeah. number one. So, yeah. like, it's like, right, we're going to do loads of neck strength. You know, we're going to do, um, you know, certain shoulder exercises, keep range of motion, keep keep strong, um, and then put specific markers in place that if players dip below a certain threshold, that their training's altered, and that yeah. that's 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 ultimately how I would attack it. But um, like I said, you've got all these dynamics yeah. in there from coach, medical, and and uh, S to to play with. Yeah, and then obviously, I think the biggest kind of well, not the biggest issue. Well, it was actually because uh, the, one of the biggest issues in teams that we, I've been in is kind of just broad brushing the whole thing, broad brushing, like splitting forwards into backs. There's, there's, there's this kind, there's like a, a compartmentalization of even forwards. There's, there's like there could be three, four groups within forwards. Never, never, never mind just forwards and backs. There's like obviously you've got your your more athletic backs and forwards. Sorry, you've got your bigger forwards. You got your props kind of. Like you've got you've got to like take the body types, body composition into consideration as well. I think, but I think that I suppose time was limited. You had you had loads of factors that it was a problem. Like you got time, and sometimes you were play, playing part time. Sometimes you play obviously most of the time we were full time. But like to get everyone together to get a, a, a structured session together, I suppose it is quite hard with the, the resources and the money that rugby league has or had. I don't know. Like obviously, it must be getting better now as obviously things are getting moving forward. But I think like the vet. <laughs> <laughs> You'd like to think so. <laughs> you say that. No, well, one of the main problems then must well, I, from what I was there anyway when I saw it was like you've got someone who's got an old school method. Uh, <laughs> take pots, potsy for a minute. <laughs> just just there for a minute. Just like saying like the whole thing about diet. I'm like quite big on my diet now because that's really helped my hip. So I was eating quite a high inflammatory diet in terms of I was, eat, I was eating consuming too much meat, too too much refined sugars, just the usual stuff. I'm, I'm allergic to gluten. I've had this. I've had a, a test on. I'm allergic to quite a few things, and I think that like knowing that like you were saying, everyone is an individual. Like when when Potsy was saying, Tom, you need to be 102 kilos, eat four chickens and steak and chuck it on bread, like. That was that's just because maybe that worked in his generation and playing it like well those don't that generation worked and then they don't know any different and just uh, are passing the kind of their what they thought was their the right thing to say at the time. I think that was kind of I think people even in the people in power should listen to people who are kind of below as well at times like or in the S and C role or in the physio role or in the the, uh, the nutrition role and and like they don't know everything kind of thing. I think that that was the problem because they're like a leader. It was almost like a dictatorship a lot of times. Not just, I'm not just talking about one coach. I'm not just <laughs> talking about if Potsy yeah. comes on until it kills me or whatever. I'm not just talking about one person. I'm talking, it was, it was like endemic, you know, throughout the whole, it's endemic. It was just happening all the time everywhere I went. Anyway, there was very rarely, was there a time where you had a coach who would be like, uh, and this is what I was speaking to Aggie about really. Is it's like Aggie's like talking about, you know, being like this kind of nuanced coach who, He's going to listen as also, but all be, be authoritative at the same time, but listen. I think, is there any coaches or, I mean, you're, I think because we've been through this kind of experience, I think all those new generation SNCs, PTs and coaches are all going to be a little bit more conscious of all this happening now, don't you think? 
Yeah, I, think, I do think that. And I think the, the issue with rugby league is, is probably the amount of staff. So, you know, I'd love, I'd love to take an individual approach to, to everybody. But I think that, you know, with, with like, when you've got one S&C to 30 players, yeah, yeah. Then, then that's when, that's when people get lost in the noise. And that's when generalities get thrown out to people. And then, but ultimately, you know, you've got someone in charge. You've got yeah. the coach, the CEO, the football manager, director of rugby, whoever it is, they're in charge and they, what they say goes. And that, that's usually how it happens, doesn't it, in, in, mm-hmm. in rugby typically. Um, but I've, I've been listening to that. Well, I've listened to that Jocko Willing, you know, the yeah. extreme ownership. That's a really interesting book. Yeah. And, you know, it talks about like a feedback loop of, of uh, if you don't agree with something, it's not, it's not always the leader's fault. It's about feeding that back yeah. and how you feed it back. Um, and then, you know, how the leader then, then like how you present, that. how you present your findings in a way that he would understand it. So it doesn't, it's not just about being like, they don't, don't get, don't get pissed off about, yeah. undermi- about being undermined or whatever. Like feeling like they are, or feeling like they've been undermined, like yeah, or like not bringing a problem to them because you're worried that they might think something, say something, do something to you that they might go, oh, you know what, that that's ridiculous. Why why are you telling me that? Like you're sacked. Yeah. Like do you know what I mean? Yeah. Feeling feeling pressured and feeling like you can't say something because they're in a higher position than you. Yeah. Like that that's not right because then you're being part of the problem rather than part of the solution. And yeah. you know. If there is something wrong, sometimes it doesn't get fed back, does it, to to the coach by the relevant people? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, you know, I think it, I think it happens on all levels. With you know, some people just go, you know what, we'll just keep going and we'll just get on and stuff like that, and everything will everything will work out in the end. And then they just keep going and and it just stays the same. Yeah, but I think I think that's it's just it needs to be run like um, a business, like a business structure. You've got you you've got your your board of directors, you've got your bosses, you've got your management team, then you've got filters down, obviously lower to to your staff, and then. There's there's always uh, check and challenge systems put in place whereby people have to, you know, be be accountable, but also have a freedom of speech. Where you're, if a, if a staff staff member thinks something's wrong, they can go to their superiors, who then go to their superiors, but or even a staff member should be able to go to the to the boss if they've got a they've got a valid enough a valid enough point for something actually causing a problem, or maybe there is a problem. Then there should be a a, a, a natural conversation between the top and the bottom, and that's the way that you can always make it more cohesive as a, as a team and make a, a team as a unit. Like talking about team, I've just thought of a point is like, do you know that feel that feeling that we had at, at Lee where you just feel invincible and unbeatable? Like that, that like kind of that almost elusive feeling that you can't put your finger on. Like of you going out on stepping on that field with 24 points down at halftime, Wakefield, whatever, th- those kind of feelings of, you know, you're not going to lose. Like, what do you think that boils down to? Because I really think that's like that—that's what you want to encapsulate in terms of a team all the time, isn't it? That's what you want to—that's what you want to get out of a team. That kind of in, feeling indestructible. Like, where does that come from? Is that again just being a cohesive unit? But like, the so, like this, I'm just trying to put my finger on it, thinking about it more. Just because I, I had ten years of rugby and only one and a half years, maybe two. Uh, our time at Saints as well when we were younger, I think at six, sixteen is when we just didn't lose for a full two seasons or whatever. Those kind of, that out of ten years, and I've not really had any other times where it was just felt like we were never going to lose. Like, kind of, what's your take on that kind of feeling? Yeah, uh, I think it's a culture. Like last last year at Toronto, uh, we lost one half of rugby. We, we got beat by Toulouse, yeah. and we got beat by Toulouse because we lost the second half. Uh, but that it was kind of like the culture of the team, and I do think that you know like losing the year before versus London in the million pound game 
I've learned more from that loss than I have from most losses or most, mo even most victories. So I like even getting promoted with Lee in 2016, I didn't learn as much from that as I did as losing yeah. in 2015, you know, when we got beat in the middle eights, I learned more from both times. So like, you know, we got beat in the middle eights in 2015 and then we got promoted in 2016 and the same with Toronto. We, I think it was 2018, we lost against London and 2019 yeah. we got promoted and, I think it comes down to a culture thing and everyone pushing in the right direction. And I think that happens through an event. I think that happens through some, something happens, something happens within that team where there's a certain event where the team goes, you know what? It's me and you and we're in this together and there's nobody else. No one's going, no one else is coming to help. It's just me and you. And yeah. if, if we don't do it, no one else is going to do it. And it's almost like that culture between players of, Listen, we're gonna we're gonna pull in together, and no matter what happens on this page, we're together in it. And yeah. I think other sides sense that, and other sides. It. I was watching the uh, documentary on Jose Mourinho the other day, and he was talking about making substitutions. And when when the crowd quiet goes quiet, and he's in an away game, and it's the opposition fans, he'll make a substitution to like an attacking substitution. Yeah. It's so interesting that he makes a substitution based on crowd noise. Yeah. Well, I feel like other teams can sense that. In, in amongst the team when it's when they're all together and they're all working hard for each other because you know when you take a carry yeah. if you take a carry and you, you're 10 and 10 from your line and you get whacked by three of them yeah. and then you think this is getting hard and you're all looking around at each other who's going to take the next one yeah, 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 he's yeah, just, yeah. He just got yeah. towelled up who's taking the next yeah, one yeah. and then if you can work your way out of that set and start flipping the grind around and start then, then putting them on the 10 and 10 and then seeing what, what they're like when they're looking around at each other, who's going to take the next carry, then that, I think that's always the difference between sides that, yeah. that like, listen, mate, I'm here for you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But then, like, that, that having, having the camaraderie in the dressing room, like, that goes, obviously, I think that's, that's the, that was for me, that's the main reason. But then also having the leader there, in the dressing room and outside is in like your, your your coach and your your assistant coaches who there's there's no fear of like kind of being humiliated or failure like um obviously you know that you're gonna make mistakes but there's there's like like the system whereby you kind of go you know you're not gonna get like publicly humiliated in front of the team if you do something wrong because if you're all in it together why should you be victimized you know marginalized for something that you've done wrong trying to help the team like i think the biggest point for like, in my in my time, I think, like being a witness, I think that was where the kind of it, there was almost a fear of like doing something wrong. They, obviously, witness were terrible at the time. There was there was just like they couldn't 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 buy a game, but it was like if you did something wrong, there was a video session whereby the next day <laughs> where you would just get pulled in front of people and just get an absolutely. Like that was it. You were just then you you read well for me. Man was gone for like three four <laughs> games after that because that's it. You know you how can you come back from that? Especially me being a new player coming into a side. How can you welcome someone? Or that's for me in my personal experience. But like anyone, if you're if you're a younger player, like when you, when we were coming through at Saints, like as a younger player, like it, I think it's really important that you have that kind of um, feeling of just you know it, it's all right like to to, to make mistakes and to, to learn from them. Like and I think that that comes brings it all together in terms of you, the, the the teamwork within and the camaraderie and then also just feeling like the staff aren't there to don't know <laughs> take yeah, the piss out like, if you do make yeah. a mistake yeah literally just to like blow yeah blow your legs off if 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 something bad happens they're not gonna embarrass you because at the end of the day when you when you are in front of a group of boys and you know you you're watching the video and you sat there 
you know, no one wants to play that. No one's going out to go, you know what? Can't be bothered today. I'm just going to, whatever happens, happens. No one does that. Everyone no. cares about what they do. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. Yeah. No one does it on purpose. Now, then, then I think, feel like as a coach, you've probably got to realize why, why is this happening? They're not doing it on purpose. Do you know yeah. what I mean? They're doing it, something's happening. Either they're not good enough yeah. or there's, there's something wrong with the system. The, the psychologically there's something wrong there's something going on are we not physically in, in good enough shape you know something's going wrong and I do think that sometimes that that psychological like oh you know what you're gonna you're gonna get hammered today that can be yeah. the worst feeling in the world and you know it does make players go into the shell I've been there myself and yeah. you know I've been at teams where I have been publicly embarrassed in front yeah. of the full team and you know I pride myself on on someone who's I'm you know I'm not I'm not the most talented person in the world but I I, I try hard that's that's just yeah. that's probably what my game's based on yeah but I th- ta- talent hard. is talent is a uh, talent that like a, a, a comes from persistence in what you're doing so like yeah you've you've obviously persistently done something like you you say you were like you you you're still good at everything you do fast strong fit like everything you did you were good at but then you continue to be good at it continuously week in week out which makes you a great player i'd say do you know what i mean you're not just gone from being oh you you up and down a bit like you know you'll have a good game here a good game or an exceptional game you're just consistently good like all the time that's why you're always in the squad you're always like you you always like pick one of the first picks because you like you're just so consistent and that's the thing what coaches like about you not to blow smoke at your ass but that's so like moving on from um right so so you're just talking about movement recovery this time obviously everyone's just sitting at the laptops and all that like i've been doing a bit of work because of my hip and whatnot i've had to just i just can't i have to do all stretches movement what kind of um things are you doing just to keep yourself mobile and like um just keeping yourself firing all cylinders while you're going to be sat sedentary around this time yeah, so um, I follow like a, a, a like a bit of an SNC program that I've, I've written myself. I just I enjoy writing them, so I just yeah. write writing for myself. Yeah. Um, so I've been I've been doing like kind of like a three day like a different three days. Uh, one of them's like a tempo day. So um, if you heard of mass runs before, MAS max aerobic speed. No, no, no. So it's, it's you'll run like it's, it's usually about twenty seconds, and then yeah. you have a twenty seconds rest, and then you come back. Now with tempos, you get double the rest, but you actually run quicker because you're getting more rest. You can yeah. you can hold a higher pace for longer. Yeah. So there are a lot of benefits to tempos. I've used them for a few years. Um, you know, I was introduced to them by uh, you know there's a guy called Rugby Strength Coach, and then um, John Kelly, the conditioner, employed him into the into oh, yeah. the training program. Oh, yeah. Me me and Bob put them in the first year at Toronto, and then <clears throat> John carried it on. And I've I've used them. I love them. I think they're great for aerobic uh, capacity. Um, and then you just gradually gradually build them up. It's usually 100 meters, 20 seconds, 40 seconds. It's a rolling 60 second clock. Yeah. And then you progress it through the week and you can, uh, through the weeks. And then you can go from like four runs twice to five runs and three sets. And then you increase it up. And then you gradually, you know, you start doing some uh, upper body work with it as well, like some bear crawls and like alternate like uh, hand, like stands on your shoulders as well, just to prepare them for contact a little bit. Yeah. So I've been typically doing that, then like a fat like run and then some speed work on different days. Uh, that's my running. And then I've got a bit of gym equipment at home, so I've been doing a bit of lifting as well. 
Um, and, and typically I have like two strength days and then I follow this um, Dr. Michael Yeasis, that's also John yep. Kelly uh, yeah. as well. Um, it's one times 20, so it's 20 exercises, um, 20 reps, one times through. Yeah. And it's training all different range, ranges of motion in, in all different planes. And yeah. I feel like that really works for me because I feel like if you're training in all different ranges of motion and all planes, then you'd be able to handle all – it makes sense to me that you'd be able to handle loads in different ways. So especially when you're making a tackle, if my arm stretched out here, then if I'm strong in all of that, then I'll be fine. But if I'm just doing bench press all the time, I'm not going to be strong out here. So yeah. I do that one day and then a power day as well. So yeah. I do four, four days a week. And then on my days off, I do yoga. So typically I do a yeah. lot of yoga to get in flexibility. And, and, and it kind of like, like the – go, go on, we'll finish off. I like the Savanta at the end where you just sit there for about five minutes and you close your eyes. It's a bit like a meditation. Yeah, but I just, I, like well, I, I do, I do meditate most mornings if I don't forget. Just because I was just like so, I think it's just more like from the stress of having to just like finishing rugby and then that kind of being lost of what to do, just sort of like sort of my mental game out massively. But like I think now I incorporate it because it just keeps my, I don't know, it just checks me up. Like, I, I think it just clears my head for the day, just to start the day. I've got like a set, I, I, I journal, I journal what I do. I set up like goals, what I've got for the day, the week kind of thing. And not go crazy. I'm not like, oh, I've got like do this at this time, but I'll say I'll have five things in a day just to get through. And if I don't like get up and you do your meditation, I just feel as if like you feel a little bit sky, but that's just kind of what I've kind of started to do. And it really does help. But like, like you, I have a, my, I have a power day. I have a, a down day I usually have two aerobic days because I'm training for triathlons now so I'm trying to yeah, so <laughs> yeah. That, yeah but that was just that was just for charity that was stupid like that really <laughs> that, was, that was honestly that my hip has been in bits that's why I've not run since I've not been on Strava since because like I think just I've, I've still got a labor a little bit of labrum damage in there from the operation because it because when I tried to get back um to play it was more like oh get on the alter g um get just get running too quick and then i kind of felt something go about six weeks in and then after right. that i just never really got it i think just the the operation the cement or something must have come off and the, there was just a little bit of labral damage anyway anyway so i'd like you were saying before about doing something too extreme yeah I'm not really i was like going, the, too, going too far yeah like i did like a, a half marathon I, I, I was, i've been training quite a bit like doing like obviously regular runs and stuff, but the longest run I did was a half marathon. Then I did a 135K. <laughs> <laughs> like David Goggins. Like David Goggins did a 100 miler before he did a marathon. Yeah. It's, it's, and he did, it's, he did like leg day the day before as well. He's absolutely, he is, he is insane. He's a machine because if the, like the pain I was in, like it was like absolutely excruciating. I shouldn't have carried on. I shouldn't have done. But because yeah. people were like donating money and they're like going, oh, you can do it. I was like, oh my God, I've got to just... But honestly, the state I've been in for the last two weeks. <laughs> Absolutely ruining yourself. Honestly ruining myself. I'm not going to do that again. But my mate, Dyers, who he was on the podcast, he's like, does ultramarathons. So I just did it with him. Right. But he's just, he's just built for it. You know, like I'm, we're tall, like we're tall, we're big. We've been playing rugby. So, but he, he just, he's just got little legs. He just, it's just amazing just to see that he could just, he could have turned around and gone again. Like out, it, yeah. just because your body's just built for something. It was any, anyway, just, I just went off on a tangent, but anyway, Right, buddy. Um, before I go, um, what I was going to say, oh, yeah, um, what's your kind of take on, like, because um, my, my, this podcast is like a fitness mindset, motivation kind of thing. What kind of um, advice or, like, your kind of key advice or something that you would give to, I don't know, say someone younger coming through, 
not not doesn't matter what if it was a sport or whatever to to better themselves in life in general. Um, in in life in general, I'd say I'd say something like figure out figure out what you want to do. It doesn't it doesn't matter what it is like, but it, I'd literally like when when you when you're setting out when you're younger, figuring out what you want to do. Try and get an idea early on because the older you get, the harder it gets. It do, it does get hard because you you get you have a mortgage, you have kids like kids and stuff like that that you'll know I haven't, I haven't got any yet. You know you, you have you get um, responsibilities as you get older. So I'd say f- figure out what you want to do and, and go for it. And whether that's like and, and, and you know literally shoot for the stars. Like you know I, I I look back at my time and you know doing my degree and, and stuff like that. And I wish sometimes sometimes look back and think oh I wish I'd done this degree or I wish I'd done that degree. Do you know what I mean? And I, yeah. I, I always I always have those thoughts and. I just think that you know, for someone young coming through, figure out figure out what you want to do, and literally whatever it is, like go for the top, go for the best, and then go for that. And don't listen to like what anybody who says you can't do it. Like don't listen to anybody who's like negative against you. Just go go hell for leather for it, and then make sure you get that goal. And that's what I'd say. Take advice. It is, it is the it is just like top advice, but like actually implementing something that you feel sometimes. I think. I'll, I'll add to it is where you sometimes feel like you can't do it because of self-doubt or self or criticism from peers or whatever it might be. It's like, don't listen to anyone. Like you said, don't listen to what anyone has to say. Just keep doing, keep moving, keep getting in the right direction. You will get to a point where you're happy with that point and then you might change course. You might find another plan or another route, another goal, but at least keep going towards that goal. Yeah, it's been been catching up anyway. It's been really good. Getting to an hour now, and I don't want to keep it going over an hour. So, that was absolute gold advice there at the end from Andrew. It was great chatting to him, great catching up with him, and I wish him all the best at Toulouse this coming year. Thank you all for listening. I hope you all got something out of that. there was a few things that I missed out going into diet, nutrition. There was loads of things I wanted to cover. And after speaking to Andrew afterwards, um, it's just there's there's so much more you could talk about. I just could have kept going and going really. But that's uh, it's good that we could obviously always meet up again, do this do this another time after all these restrictions are over. I can get a face to face actually get some uh, more answer ask him some more questions. Now he's moved to uh, a French club as well. Be good to talk about that. So uh, thanks Andrew and. Um, up next, we have Naomi Ogbita, who is a triple jump under 23 uh, British record holder and is um, training currently for the 2021 Olympics, which was postponed and moved back to Japan. So we get into a lot of depth about why, why in, in general, uh, the Olympics was cancelled, obviously due to the, the pandemic. But then what's the, the situation going forward from now on? How they're setting up and prepping for this is the GB team, how they're prepping for um, the 2021 Japan Olympics and what they are doing um, to try and make sure that the event goes ahead as scheduled and as safe as possible and what they're going to do about the crowd situation. Um, Naomi's a very, very interesting uh, young woman and she's got so much ahead of her and uh, it's just absolutely brilliant to talk to her. I absolutely love this episode. So uh, yeah, tune in for the next one. Um, I don't know how long it's going to take to edit episodes because it's not my forte. I'm just learning as I go along. So um, bear with me, but um, I will get the episode out to you as soon as possible. Uh, Thank you all for listening and I'll see you in the next time. Bye.